I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-minute parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-minute parenting podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. Recently, I was talking to a very frustrated parent who felt like they were screaming into the wind with their teenager, just saying, look, everything I do and say, just nothing seems to land. So I asked for examples and, you know, this parent said, oh, God, I have endless examples and began to list out things that the teenager did and how they responded. And, you know, what I noticed was a pattern of this parent offering a lot of direction dressed up as advice. You know, here's what you should do in this situation. Here's how to handle that. So it was well-meaning, but it was coming out as a lot of you do this. Here's how to fix it. Here's what you must do next. So every problem their teenager experienced, here was this parent, you know, with a solution for them. Oh, yeah, here's your problem. No bother. I know what to do. Here's the solution. And then, you know, in response to this, the parent would think, you know, I'm helping and this is really useful and good advice. The teenager would sigh loudly, roll their eyes, say their parent missed the point, And that would cause the parent to become, you know, more forceful that they, of course, I get it. That's how I know the answer. How could you say I don't get it? I've just told you what you're supposed to do. And this parent was feeling like I'm helping, I'm trying to help and it's just being rejected and dismissed. But the teenager's feeling I'm being lectured to. I can't tell you anything without it becoming this big teach moment, this lecture. And the result was tension and blocked communication. It sounds counterintuitive, but to strengthen and enhance your emotional connection with your teenager, you have to ensure that you avoid assuming a fix or change agenda with them. You know, meaningful emotional connection with your teenager requires a complementary intention. You both have to want a happier and more harmonious relationship with each other. One of you can't want that on behalf of you both. It has to be a shared intention. And this being said now, you know, do hold in mind that they're the teenager and you're the adult. So more often than not, it's going to be you driving this intention than they are. But it still has to be something that they're willing to meet you with. You say, oh, yeah, I see what you're trying to do. And okay, I'm open to this if it's to work. And speaking at your teenager involves lecturing them and lectures do not work ever. They just don't work, guys. And it's because a lecturing approach might initially grab their attention, but it won't sustain it. You know, they're with you as you go, oh, I know what to do. But then it becomes this preachy piece and they've zoned out, they've checked out and they're not connected with you. And lecture mode evokes those defensive responses in your teenager. You know, they they could be overt things and statements and things that they shout at you. You never listen to me. Or it could involve more nonverbal communication, such as, you know, eye rolling, sighing, They might even pick up an object while you're still talking to them, such as their phone or the TV remote or a magazine to flick through, you know, something like that. Or physical blocking, such as turning away from you or maybe even walking out of the room entirely. You know, that's a defensive strategy because lectures are preached and they assume a moral authority. I know what you should do. I have the answer. And mostly, not always, but mostly they're aimed at controlling the young person or exerting some kind of conscious influence over them you know I'm just trying to make sure that you do this right and that's why I'm telling you how to do it but that elicits frustration and potentially shame which can only you know reduce their engagement with you and actually then fuels disconnection rather than the connection you're aiming to secure 
basically they're going to tune you out. And before you know it, you are 10 words into this speech that you and that you've been relegated to white noise. Okay, now you really are as this parent, you know, who I was talking about at the start, this parent felt I'm yelling into the wind. You are you're yelling into the wind. It's not landing and you are not being heard. And this is because if you default into this problem solving mode too quickly with your teenagers so that they are talking about the problem they're having and instead of staying with them in the problem and the feelings that are going on for them with that, you move too quickly to the solution. You're pursuing a fix or change agenda. It's too quick. You are driving far too quickly towards telling them what they should do to resolve the issue and you've actually short circuited or entirely skipped over that exploration piece, you know, oh my gosh, you know, I can, thanks for telling me this. And I can see as you were telling me that this is really difficult for you and you're really frustrated or you're really upset or whatever it might be, but you're missing the meaning from your teenager's point of view. And in my work, I hear so often from teenagers how they just want our, us, they just want us, their parents, you know, to listen and hear them in their struggles, but not jump in and fix the problem. I've had countless children and young people say, I just wish they wouldn't want to fix it. I just want to be able to talk about it and talk about how it feels. We're not helping our children or our teenagers if we constantly rush to rescue and fix every struggle or problem they have. We have to stop rescuing them from difficult feelings. We have to stop rescuing them from disappointment and frustration because if we keep jumping in and saying, you know, let me pull you out of that feeling with an absolute airtight solution, they never learn how to master those tension arousing feelings and experiences for themselves and they'll never be able to work it out unless they're with us and that's not what we want. What does work, so we know lecturing doesn't work, but what does work is a more kind of a story based narrative, you know, that kind of wondering, I wonder that type of approach. It's it's akin to storytelling. It's why it works, actually, because you let them speak. And if they're not speaking, you read and reflect back their nonverbal communication as you see, interpret and understand it. So if your teenager hasn't told you with words that, hey, something happened today and I want to talk about it, but everything about their behavior is telling you that there has been a problem, you can read and reflect those nonverbal pieces. Maybe you're going to say something like, I've noticed you seem out of sorts today. Your shoulders are rounded forward. You're wearing your comfort hoodie and you're just burrowing into the corner of the sofa. I'm wondering if you'd like a hug from me. Might a hug make you feel a bit better right now? In saying that, I've not, I'm not asking my teenager to tell me what's wrong. I'm not judging their physical demeanor or, you know, demanding they change it. What's wrong with you? Stand up straight. I'm not doing that. Nor have I, you know, said anything about their you know, emotional demeanor. I haven't demanded that they change that. Yeah, you're in a mood. What's wrong with you? Cheer up. I haven't done all of any of that. What I have sought to do is tell the story of what I'm hearing from them. I am communicating that I understand and accept with empathy how they're feeling. I've noticed you're out of sorts. I'm reading your body language as evidence of that. And I'm offering physical comfort in a hug, but I do not need you to explain why you need it. And that's the way you start with a connection. Beyond this point, I might, not always, but I might want to pursue it further if, you know, that overt, if they stayed really kind of, you know, 
self-comforting and a bit glum if they stayed like that you know for quite a while I I you know I likely would pursue that a bit further and I would start by telling a story on some neutral but unrelated topic you know something a theme or about people I know that would interest them um I'll just say god you know wait till I tell you something that happened today or I was just thinking about so and so do you remember them wait till I tell you a story some kind of a story that I know will interest and engage them because story felling storytelling rather sorry is it's effective because a story you know a well-told story has elements of rhythm and always remember rhythm and synchrony help emotional regulation it has elements of suspense that evokes curiosity and holds attention and it fuels engagement Okay, this is really, really important because that's how you get them out of the emotional funk that they're in and to connect with you through this story. And a well-told story relies not only on verbal communication, but also on the non-verbal communication. So that means you can use your own non-verbal communication, your own body language, facial expression about the story you're telling that will match and mirror the non-verbal communication you're reading from your teenager. So I'm not talking about my teenager or what I imagine they're going through. I'm telling an unrelated story that will interest them, but in the telling of it, I am using my body to reflect what I'm reading in theirs. Okay, and in this kind of embodied way, your teenager is going to begin to feel felt, you know, that is deeply understood without having had to share anything overtly with you. They haven't had to tell you anything to get that connection or to feel that you understand them. It just occurs. And that's going to start to bring your teenager more in towards you. And when you've got to that point, you might weave in a more pertinent, you know, theme to your story. You might reflect that you were feeling low and despondent in hearing or experiencing the first story. I might even, you know, choose to tell a story about my own mood at this point and what I think and feel when I'm in low or poor form. And But you do want to be careful here. You want to make sure that this is told in an authentic manner and it's not asserting, oh, I know how you feel. Because let's be honest, in the history of ever feeling out of sorts, is there anything more annoying than someone saying I know how you feel but instead what you're trying to do is to connect over something in me knows this feeling in you and at this stage invite their input I wonder what you think would you have done it or said something differently would you have done what I did or something different where would you have come from what if it was you in the situation how would you have felt or what might have made you feel better and pay attention to their responses and reflections. Always remember verbal and nonverbal and using that musicality of your voice, using, you know, tone, pitch, pace, pause to convey meaning when you're speaking. At this point, you could then wonder, so how was your day? But do that in a casual and enthusiastic and interested way. Never intrusive, always interested. Because you've established the connection before you attempt any excavation or correction of their behavior. You want to make sure I can accept and meet you wherever you're at. I understand you. And this is about staying in a position of not knowing and seeking to better understand your teenager's experience. It's a, it is a kind of playful approach, you know, it's story based, it's storytelling. And I always think a playful yet curious approach helps to generate interest, momentum and attends to the emotional security in the situation. But all, uh, moreover, it, it reduces the likelihood of defensive avoidance from your teenager. If you jump in too quick with what's wrong with you, nothing. 
and they walk away. But if you take your time and approach it in this playful, creative way, it increases the likelihood of true connection. And you can actually manage to secure this moment of meeting between you that may not have seemed possible when they were, you know, ignoring you or grunting or avoiding eye contact or hiding out on their own. So always stay out of that fix or change agenda. Stay curious and playful, interested, but not intrusive. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-minute parenting.